Hey, Wes, we mentioned Storytellers Night at Jesse Brown's in the mm. previous segment. And it's coming up, Bill, and I can't wait for this one. I, this is one of my favorite events that we do, but this year it looks great. We've already had two of our uh, upcoming guests on the show, and our kickoff speaker for Storytellers, Ryder Knowlton, is on with us today. That's right. We're going to bring him on there. Part of uh, what we're going to be talking to him about is not just his appearance at Storytellers Night at Jesse Brown's, but also he's got a brand new book out, The Guides, A Collection of Untamed Stories, and it's really, I guess, Wes, I'll bring this up, is how do we celebrate the people that take us into Mm -hmm, the wild, mm -hmm. who show us where the fish are, that help us find the game and plow through the elements of blizzards and thunderstorms, the unknowns, fears, and the funny, and the accomplishments that being outdoors um, brings us, the guides and outfitters that make it happen, and that's where Ryder Knowlton um, jumped in and wrote about the guides and outfitters, and that's where this collection is. And we're going to welcome him to the Carolina Outdoors right now. Ryder, come on in. Wes, Bill, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. We're doing fantastic. And uh, as we jump into your background, first of all, Ryder, I'd like to bring this up. Uh, the birthplace of American fly fishing mm-hmm. is the Catskills, New York. It's the home of Theodore Gordon, the Daddies, uh, Lee and Joan Wolf. all lived, worked, or came through there in the early to mid-20th century. And, Ryder, that included your family as well. Your granddad and great-granddad were outfitters there. Um, tell us about your earliest memories of them and your earliest memory, memories of hunting and fishing in that area of our country. Yeah, you know, I tell you, I was at the time. It's funny when you're a kid. Um, I, I absolutely have memories of that. And it, but at the same time, you know, as a kid, a lot of times you're blind, you know, to what's right in front of you. I, I look back on those years and I kind of say, Gosh, I wish I had, wish I'd taken more advantage of it. You know, I, I think looking back on it, you kind of realize uh, that incredible, you know, connection that that my family had. But um, we had a fish camp near Roscoe, New York, and as you said, I mean, it's. You know, the Catskills is, you know, along with a couple other places, but is arguably one of the real, you know, the founding waters of American fly fishing. You've got the, you know, the Beaverkill and the Willowemock and the Never Sink and, of course, the famous, you know, Delaware River system is all right there. And, and we had a fish camp that my really was started by my great-grandfather. And, and uh, of course, I, I don't have, he had passed by the time I was born, so I don't have memories with him, but I've got lots of memories with my granddad down at that camp and we we were not we, we were not the fancy camp in town we we were the blue collar camp so you know if you i'm sure there were places where some of the uh, the more refined catskill fly fishermen would go but but if you were just a regular folks you'd come and stay at our camp and uh, we had a combination of, of fly fishermen and bear hunters of course in the catskills you have a lot of bear hunting and and so we would have both and i've got memories of, of hanging out around the camp and seeing the folks you know coming in and heading out with their waiters and all this stuff and what's funny is you know i still to this day have the old rods from the shop you know at the camp of course they they had a fly shop and you know, it was not fancy fly rods. There were a, you'd find a few orvises here and there, but most of them were just old field grade, you know, old bamboo rods, and and I still have those. And so I've got fond memories of it. Um, uh, and and in hindsight, I wish I had known more about what the that opportunity was right there in front of me. But it wasn't until later, really, that I really started focusing on fly fishing. And and what what drew you into the into the world and lifestyle of fly fishing? 
You know, I grew up, you know, the, the camp was down in the Catskills, but my family lived on a farm just outside the Catskills. So I, I grew up on a, you know, on a small 40-acre farm in rural upstate New York. It was a old family farm. I was the fourth generation of my family to, you know, to live on the farm. And, and um, you know, so I grew up around hunting and fishing. We had, you know, we would hunt and fish, but we were hunting and fishing for food. You know, we, we were not hunting and fishing for trophies by any means. And so it's, I just, it was just part of our, our DNA, you know, it was in my blood and it wasn't planned activities. It's just what we did. And, and, you know, if my dad went out and shot a deer, we'd have a deer. If we went out and shot rabbit or grouse, we'd eat rabbit or grouse or, you know, um, our connection to the Carolinas, uh, was actually coming down and chasing the bluefish runs back in the seventies. You know, there were these big runs of big chopper blues in those days from Rodanthe up to Nagshead and, our family would come down and chase those bluefish runs and freeze fish and eat it, you know, and would, would bring it back and eat it, you know, for two or three months and then come do it again. And so it was more of a, you know, a substance effort, you know, necessarily than a recreational effort. But as I got older, you know, I got exposed. And uh, when I graduated um, high school, uh, my dad got a job in Savannah. And so in the mid-'80s, our family moved from the farm after four generations we moved from the farm to Savannah, Georgia, and I got introduced to that new fishery down there, kind of that, you know, Savannah to Charleston coastal fishery. This, of course, was in the, you know, mid to late 80s, and there just wasn't a lot of fly fishing happening there. We were some of the early, you know, dedicated fly fishermen for that fishery at that time. And um, and then I got to, you know, through that experience, I got to know some of those folks and met some people in particular that really gave me the opportunity and exposed me to the concept of sporting travel. And one of those was, was a friend, um, Wes, you know him real well, a guy named Raz Reed. Yeah. And we got to know Raz and and that opened a lot of doors for me. I was very lucky as a young person to get to know him and be mentored, you know, by he and his crew. Well, and, and that falls into the generations of, of fly fishing because uh, we have another book on hand at Jesse Brown's that talks about Billy Pate from Greenville, South Carolina. Absolutely. And, of course, Raz uh, studied, if you will, sporting, uh, sport fishing under Billy to an extent. And, a writer, I guess you're continuing that, but... Where in here, uh, between you, you know, upstate New York, fishing the Carolinas, dropping down to Georgia, and living in Georgia, when did you start collecting the untamed stories to tell those in the book, The Guides? Those really came later, you know. So I, I got introduced to Raz and his crew, and and again was lucky to, to you know to be a tag along. That's all I was. I was the low man on the totem pole. I kept my mouth shut and I, I watched and I, and I learned, you know, from these incredible fly fishing, uh, you know, folks who were part of these groups. And these were trips up to Alaska and down into the you know the Yucatan. And this would have been really through the 90s and even into the early 2000s. But what it did for me was two things. I think it it inspired me to now, you know, it's funny, now that I've written the book and I'm kind of pulling themes out of it, you know, I, one of the themes for me anyways is definitely that, you know, that fishing is, for me anyways, is, is, is about way more than catching a fish and hunting's about way more than, you know, pulling the trigger. And it's, it's all those other th- things, you know, sight, sound, smells, the people, the, the, the other animals, the environment. And I think through those experiences in Alaska and the Yucatan, I really learned, wow, you know, there's so much more to this than just the catching of a fish. You know, it's all these other things. And, and how exciting is that? 
you know, when you really couple in travel and, and adventuring to new places. And so, you know, following those years, if you, you know, it was really then the following 10, 20, 30 years as, um, as some of those relationships I formed, obviously they opened other doors, you know, and I met other people in the fly fishing world and the hunting world and those open doors and those open doors. And that all led to opportunities for me to be part of some pretty incredible excursions to very remote parts of the world on both hunting and, and fly fishing trips. And, and then, um, and then also candidly to, to host and lead some, some trips. And so it really was later, uh, Bill, it was later years that, you know, probably in my, I'm 53 today. So it really probably started in my early forties, you know, that I really started realizing some of these stories I was hearing around campfires were pretty amazing. And, and originally I just wanted to record them and save them to share them with family and friends. But over time that list got pretty big and I started realizing it could be something more and obviously eventually turned into the book. If you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, our guest is Ryder Knowlton. He is the author of The Guides, a collection of untamed stories. And Ryder is going to be on hand at Jesse Brown's on Wednesday, May 25th, starting at 6 p.m., Storytellers Night at Jesse Brown's. So, Ryder, your book, The Guides, kicks off in the foreword about your trip up to the very far reaches of Canada, up in Nunavut. And it's a fascinating forward. You know, there are plenty of books I have skipped the forward when I've read them. And this one, I mean, it, I mean, but most forwards don't start off with, my guide was an Inuit tracker. That's like call me Ishmael. So I'm hooked. That was fascinating. And you, and you leave mystery in there. We don't get into too many specifics about it. Um, but talk to us about those guides because they are on a different playing field with their ability not just to sustain themselves but to thrive in that environment there's so many things about those people that are amazing um and when i when i say that i'm not just talking about the inuit of nunavut but you know um all the way across the arctic from nunavut through through canada the rest of canada all the way into alaska you know i've had a chance to spend a lot of time in inuit villages and they just uh, i'm just continually amazed at um at how resourceful, but also, um, and everybody's got their challenges. They've got their challenges like everybody. But I am continually amazed at not only how resourceful and insightful they are, but I'm, I'm always amazed at their connection to their natural environment. And as you said, you know, their ability to not just struggle through but thrive, you know, in, in really what's some of the most remote, uh, desolate, you know, uh, challenging environments on earth. And, you know, I think, um, when, when I was up there, we stayed with an Inuit family and I think that's what triggered a lot of it. It was the dynamics between, you know, the, the, the character in the book is, is the, the patriarch and he's the, he's, he, he was, he's the senior tracker, uh, in an Inuit village, and he was my guide. By pure luck, he happened to be my guide. Well, his his wife was there running the camp kitchen, and she was as fascinating as her husband. And his nephew was there, and his niece was there. And so I got to spend time not just with him as a guide, but the whole family. And, and I think, you know, as, as this can be applied to a lot of the folks in the book, it really became more than a just hunter-guide relationship. You know, it really, you know, I, I spent the time getting to, to know them as people and, and, um, and, and, and becoming friends. And, and, and I think with that, it opened up some deeper, you know, discussions about their life in the Arctic 
And I, I think to answer your question, yes, you know, the stories are amazing about, you know, you know, he met his wife by saving her life in a blizzard, you know, and and every year their village, uh, you know, they they do a 2000 mile snowmobile trek into Yellowknife for annual supplies for the village every single year. Now, when you're doing that, the only weight you can carry is fuel. So there's no food. So you're you are self sustaining yourself with your hunting skills for 2000 miles on a snowmobile trek across the Arctic to get, you know, um, uh, needed supplies for the village. But I think the part of that relationship, and I kept his name out of the book because of all the characters there were, I was very uh, careful, you know, and respectful uh, about, you know, about uh, sharing stories. And, and so I did keep his name out of the book out of respect. But um, I was amazed with his spiritual and his real connection to that environment. And I, I'll tell you, um, at some level, I honestly believe, you know, I looked around and I'd see barren Arctic. You know, I don't, it wasn't wasteland. It was beautiful. You know, it, the, the lichens and the colors of the Arctic are beautiful. Um, but it was barren. You know, I think he looked around and he saw a world full of opportunities with everything he needed for he and his family to be, you know, f- fulfilled. And I honestly believe at some level – he looked at me and probably felt sorry for me, you know, <laughs> saying, you live in this controlled environment down in, in the U.S., and, and I have what, anything I want I can go get, and you have to follow rules. And I, I just felt that at some level he was having pity on me more than the other way around, and that fascinated me. And, of course, that what? just made me want to learn, learn yeah. more about him. Ryder Knowlton is the voice you hear right there. Ryder, stick around with us. We want to carry you through the news break and uh, come back and find out about some of the bad guides or less respectful guides, if those are in the book. Wes Lawson, Bill Barty, this is the Carolina Outdoors.